Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. We want you to know that Creekwood Church is open and you're invited to join us in person or online this weekend. More information about services and in-person safety precautions is available at creekwoodchurch.com. We hope this message inspires and encourages your faith. Enjoy. We're in a series right now called It's Time. And um, one of the phrases that I've heard my boys, you know, I have two teenage boys, 17 and 14. And, and one of the phrases I've heard them say over and over again over the last few years is kind of, I think it's still kind of a thing, is just two words. They say, let's go. Okay, but it's, they say it when it means something to them. Like if something, like they're playing video game or, or they're, they, you know, they, they, they dunked on someone on an eight foot goal or something, you know, they'll say, but they, they say it like this. They say, let's go. And it's like, let's go. And, I, and I, I started doing that myself. Okay, so when I play basketball on Saturdays at 24 Hour Fitness and I dunk on somebody, okay, can I get a better amen? I don't dunk on anybody, okay. But, but I'll find myself saying, let's go. And it's funny because I feel like that's our society is like you get educated to like, let's go. We don't, we don't ever want to just kind of maintain status quo and, and go, behind, go backwards. Like we want to keep moving forward. And so it's like, let's go. One of my biggest pet peeves is when I call like a company like AT&T. You already know what I'm talking about. Okay. And like you get the billing part of the company or like the technical side and like, and you, you call them and they say these words, they say, the call volume is heavy right now. And I hate that because you know, you're about to have to wait. And I, I hate waiting. And that's, that's kind of one of my pet peeves. That's why one of the worst feelings in the world is actually to have to wait. So I want to talk about waiting and specifically waiting on God today. I believe there's a lot of people that you are, you're in a season right now where you're waiting on God. And I, I don't know who specifically I'm talking to, about, talking to and specifically what you're dealing with and waiting on God for. Um, but there's nothing worse than waiting on God. You just feel like saying, let's go, man. Let's, like, I know, God, you can do this. I know you can heal. I know you can get me through this. So let's go. Um, but maybe you're, you're praying for healing right now in your life. And you, you're, you're in a season of waiting and you have not seen the answer. Maybe that you're, you've been asking God for direction in a big decision in your life. And you have like a fork in the road and you're like, I don't, I don't know if I should go here or if I should go here. And like my son's trying to choose a college right now. Like which, which college do I go to? And how many of you know it's important where you decide to go? And you can either go to the, the holy one. Texas A&M, okay, or any other. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, okay. Um, but, but I'm saying anything but UT, you know what I mean? Um, so I'm totally kidding. Um, but maybe you're trying to have kids right now and you haven't been able to. Um, and you know, man, make, we'd make good, great parents. And whatever the reason is, you haven't been able to have kids. And maybe you're waiting on God for that. Or maybe you're waiting on, maybe you're single. And it's like you're waiting on a spouse, you know, I don't know what that is. Um, but, and you're like, the, you're looking at the, the fish bowl and you're not seeing many fish in the bowl. You know what I'm saying? And you're like, okay. And there's some fish in there, but they're ugly. Okay. So, and you're trying to figure out what is happening right now. And you've, you've kind of having this experience. And I'm going to say this, 17 years now being in ministry, I have, I have found something out that is just going to be true in all of our lives. If you are a Christian, you are going to have to learn how to wait. 
Um, it's part of our Christian walk. It's part of, um, I, I just believe we're all going to have experiences of seasons of waiting. And so it's not if you wait, it's what I've learned, it's how to wait. So I'm talking about how to wait on God today. I think it's really important that we learn how to wait. And I want to just kind of debunk a few myths about waiting on God, I think is really important. Um, because even in church, like I've been in church now for over 40 years, I've heard a lot of Christians say some things that I don't really think is true. And I think one of them, so for example, if you're in a season of waiting on God, that does not mean that God is angry with you. If you're in a season of waiting on God, it does not mean that God is punishing you for something that you did in the past. I think that's something that people are like, well, okay, you're going to have to deal with that. Okay, you might, but I'm saying a season of waiting on God, I don't believe has to do with God punishing you. And I don't, I don't think if you're waiting on God that you need to know it's not that he's not paying attention to you. It's easy to kind of go like, ah, where are you right now? Like, why is this taking so long? And it feels like God's isolating you. And then this is the one that I really kind of struggle with because this is, I hear a lot, is if you're in a season of waiting on God, it doesn't mean that you don't have enough faith. And, you know, I, I, I'm not going to dive into this, but we could talk about some incredible people of faith in the Bible that waited on God. You cannot tell me, go, go, go read about the Apostle Paul and tell me about the, the thorn in his side that he wanted removed and ask God repeatedly to have that thorn removed and tell me he was not a man of faith. Okay, so this is not about you having more faith. But I want to encourage you today, because if God has promised something in your life, and I believe there's many people here that God has promised some things in your life and you have not seen them come to pass, and I can't explain that for you. I don't know why. I wish it already has come to pass, but for whatever reason, it has not. But I'm telling you, if God has a promise in your life, there is an appointed time for that promise. And I have learned to believe this, that, that, that God will have an appointed time for whatever promise he has. Habakkuk 2.3 says, for the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end. It will not prove false. Now, this is what's crazy about this verse. Though it linger, wait for it, it will certainly come and will not delay. Now, this is, almost sounds like it's a little bit opposite of each other. It says, though it linger, meaning it may take some time, it will not delay. Now, that is something I had to study and I had to really understand because I, I read that and I go, it will not delay. I love that part of it. You say, Brad, I've been waiting for 10 years for something. That certainly has felt like a, a delay in my life. But what he's saying is that God's timing is perfect and it's not delayed according to his timetable. And so you need to understand according to his timetable, it will not be delayed. Your promise has an appointed time. And what I have learned is that promise, that appointed time will not happen a second sooner than it was supposed to and it will not happen a second later than it was supposed to. And I'm just telling you, this is something you have to learn in your life. And so what I've, what I've learned is when it, when it comes to waiting on God, I have to learn how to wait on God. There's more of an art to waiting on God than it is a science. 
Meaning I can't treat God like a Rubik's cube. Like if I'll just, if I'll just turn it this way and if I'll, just, if I'll just treat God like a combination lock, if I hit the exact numbers at the perfect time, I have the right faith, pray at 7 a.m. in the building for 21 straight days like they've asked me to, then all these things will work out perfectly and I won't have to wait anymore. I have not found it to be that way in my life. Maybe you found it that way. But it has not happened in my life. It's more of an art than it is a science. And so I want to talk about how to wait on God. And a couple of observations that I've realized in my own life about waiting on God, because I've had several seasons of waiting on God. The first thing I often wonder is, I wonder how many miracles haven't happened in my life because I wasn't willing to wait and obey. I wonder how many miracles I've missed because I wasn't willing to wait and obey. If you have your Bible, turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 5. If you, have, uh, if you have a phone in here, which probably 100% of you do, I would encourage you to get the Bible app. If you don't have that, it's a really good uh, resource. But you can also um, follow us along on the Bible app. So 2 Kings chapter 5, it's an incredible story about waiting and obeying. And really, I'm not going to read a whole lot of scripture, but I want you to know this is about a guy named Naaman, who was the commander of the army of the king of Aram. The problem is he had a problem. The commander had a problem. And so in verse one, it says he was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. This is a soldier, a valiant soldier, like the man, he was the commander of an army and he had leprosy. And so you can imagine King Aram, back in those days when you had leprosy, it was a problem. Like you couldn't touch anyone, people couldn't touch you. You were kind of considered off limits. People had to kind of stay away from you. Well, he's the commander of the army. So we have to handle this. And so I'm, not, I'm skipping forward here, but if you, if you read, you'll see that the king of Aram was like, we gotta fix this. And so he sends him to the only person he could think of that could heal uh, the, uh, Naaman. And so he sends him over to Elisha, to heal him of leprosy. And that's where we pick up in verse 10, 2 Kings 5, 10 and 11. It says, Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan. Everyone say seven times. Seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of leprosy. If you have your Bible there, underline the words, went away angry. By the way, I, um, this is a side note, but if you have, man, one of the things that I, I love to do is to read out of my, not just out of the phone, but, but actually out of my physical Bible. Okay. It's like, it's like not, people don't use those as much anymore, but I love to, to take a Bible and, and actually write notes on the side. And as God speaks to you, write notes on the side of, of, of that verse or whatever, underline, highlight, star, because I'm going to give my Bible away to my kids. So I have two Bibles that I've got going on right now. And that way, when they're reading in the future, um, they'll hear the man of God speaking to them. I'm just kidding. But, but that they will hear, they will see notes in the Bible. So that's a cool thing if you ever want to consider doing that with your kids. But, but I underlined that went, went away. Naaman went away angry. And I think this is one of the biggest mistakes we make on waiting on God is most of us want the miracle to happen how we want it to happen and the way we want it to happen and when we want it to happen. And this is where most of us make the mistake about learning how to wait on God. And when it doesn't happen the way you want, 
it to happen, most of us, we act like Naaman and we walk away. And if you read this story, I mean, he, he actually gets mad, not just because, because he, he, wanted, he wanted Elisha to like just put his hand over leprosy and just heal it. That's what he wanted, right? Just heal it. But no, that's not what happened. He said, you're going to have to go dip seven times in the Jordan River. We'll keep reading the story. He was upset that he would even choose the Jordan River. The Jordan River was too low for him. He's the king. He is the commander of the king of Aram. He's like, why? He chose, if you keep reading, he'll, he, he actually mentions three other rivers that he should have been dipped in because those were better rivers. I mean, this is the way that he is, he is getting mad at Elisha. And he went away and he walked away. And I think most miracles are forfeited in our life because we give up too soon. When you want to know how to wait on God, you cannot give up too soon. Naaman had to dip in the Jordan River seven times, not six. And it made me wonder what would have happened to Naaman had he dipped himself in the Jordan River even six times. I don't believe he would have been healed from leprosy. And I kept thinking about this and reading all the scriptures and you'll see and most of this, you know this story when the Israelites were walking around Jericho. And you know the story. They were told to walk around Jericho seven times. You have to understand who they're talking to. These are, these, this is the Israelites. These are warriors that are ready to go to battle. And they've been told, hey, put your weapons down. You're going to walk around seven times over Jericho with the stinking band. Okay? Like, I'm like, What? I'm ready to get at, let's go, okay? Like, let's go. You have no idea, I'm about, to, I'm about to tear some people up, okay? I'm not sure about, I'm not worried about a wall. Like, let's go. He says, no, you're gonna have to march around it with the band in front of you, playing the trumpet seven days. No, I wanna beat some people up. You know what I mean? That's what they were doing. And you can't imagine. And I thought about this, what would have happened? If they had only marched around six times, I don't believe they would have defeated Jericho. I believe that that would have been a miracle that would have been forfeited and one that's never talked about. And this is the one that I think is so important that, that when Jesus was ascending into heaven, y'all remember this, and he tells his disciples that the Holy Spirit is gonna come. I need you to wait on the Holy Spirit, but here's what I need you to do. I need you to go back to Jerusalem and I need you to wait and if you know this, maybe, maybe you don't know this story, but they went back, the disciples go back to Jerusalem in a place called the upper room. And they go back and they waited until Pentecost. You know, it was 10 days of praying and waiting for the Holy Spirit. The greatest gift God ever gave us outside of salvation is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I imagine what would have happened if they had said on day nine, man, we're praying a long time for this gift. I'm just, I just wonder what would have happened if they hadn't have waited and obeyed until God gave the appointed time. And I'm just saying there's an appointed time for every single miracle God has for you. You have to learn how to wait and obey. And I guess what I want you to hear right now, because I don't know who I'm speaking to, but you have no idea. God wanted this message preached today. And so I know I need to deliver this to some people. I don't know what God told you to do but you are to obey him right now. And so maybe some of you have 
waited a long time, but he gave you something years ago for you to do. And you said, I don't want to be dipped in the Jordan River. Why the Jordan River and why seven times? I don't know, but he's God and you're not. And what I've learned is whatever he told you to do, go back to it and obey. And he might just speed up the process. And so I've learned to obey God. Here's the second thing. Don't try to manufacture the miracle in your life. Don't ever try to manufacture your own miracle. God's, God promised, y'all know this story probably too. Unless you're new to the faith, you may not know this story, but God promised Abraham in the book of Genesis, Abraham and Sarah, a son that when he was 75 years old, that he was gonna have a son. Now, some of you know this story and he was gonna have a son. He was gonna be the father of many nations. You know what I'm talking about? Is, is, is this resonating with y'all? Like, y'all know this song? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had father. Go ahead. And I am one of them and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord right foot. I'm just kidding. We're not going to go into it. Give me a beat. Come on, let's go. But that's, that, that is Abraham, that he was going to be the father of many nations. But at 75 years old, he had not had a son, had not had a child. And so it was like, what is happening? And do you know, it was 25 more years before they ever got their son, Isaac. 25 years of waiting. Oh my word. That's so long. You know, it was too long for Abraham and, and Sarah. And if you know this story, they ended up trying to produce their own miracle. What they did was they came up with a plan on their own, knowing what God had told them that there was a promise. And they said, I guess it's not going to happen. So we're going to manufacture our own miracle. And Abraham ended up sleeping with Sarah's handmaidens, Hagar, and they had a son named Ishmael. Now, all I have to do is tell you, go look up the story of Ishmael and tell me how that went. It was a disaster when they tried to produce their own miracle. And I've seen this happen so many times, especially in, in ministry where, and I've been in, I've been in a church now for Let's see, I'm 19 years old now. now. I'm 44 years old right now. And I've been in, been in the church since really I was born. And I've seen, before I was in ministry, I have seen this happen over and over again. When people feel a call of God on their life, they want it so bad. And they forget that God wants it more than they do. And so what happens is, they go, well, I'm not seeing it happen the way I want it to happen. So I'm going to make it happen. And so they get upset with the church they're in. They get upset with the pastor they're in because maybe they didn't get the job they wanted or maybe they weren't leading the ministry they wanted or I don't know what it is. And so it's very common for them to leave. You'll see great leaders leave for greener pastures. And what they're really doing is they're trying to manufacture their own miracle. And I'm just saying it never works out the way you want. Maybe, maybe what God's asking you to do is actually put a seed where you're planted and sow like never before and to serve like never before because it may take 25 years for you to get your Isaac. 
and quit trying to produce an Ishmael in your life because it doesn't work out that way. God tells Abraham at 99, when he's 99 years old, when he's in, physically incapable of having a child, this time next year, you will have a child. And at the exact time God had originally planned, Isaac was born. Not a second sooner and not a second later. And so it makes me wonder how many of us try to manufacture our own miracles. Here's what I've learned. Getting ahead of God will always make you get behind. When you try to get ahead of God, you will always find yourself behind. And I, I love this. There's a book called Fresh Faith by Jim Simbala, And he said this. He said, the hardest part of faith is often simply to wait. And the trouble is, if we don't, then we start to fix the problems ourselves. And that makes it worse. We complicate the situation to the point where it takes God longer to fix it than if we had quietly waited for his working in the first place. Do you know the Israelites, when they were getting into the promised land, there was a 40-year wandering? Do you know if you look on a map, it really should have taken 11 days. It's not like they were wandering. It's not like they were walking from here to here because it was a 40-year walk. It was really an 11-day journey. And I'm just telling you, so many of us try to reproduce our own miracle, and God's timing is perfect. And so you have to learn how to wait. And here's the third thing God has shown me. While I'm waiting... God is always working. God is always working behind the scenes in your life while you are waiting. And I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but you don't believe that. And you struggle with that one right there because you have been dealing with this for many, many years. And you say, Brad, there's no way he's doing something. This is impossible. I just lost my loved one. This is impossible. I don't understand how you could redeem that. I don't know what is happening in your life. But while you are waiting, he is working. I was, my, my anniversary was just a couple, well, last month. And, and we were, we decided to go to Mexico. And when we were coming back, we flew, we were flying back into Houston International Airport. And so when we flew back, we were actually not just making time. Like we were not just on time. We were ahead of time. How many of you know when you're on a plane and you're ahead of time, it's a good time? I mean, I feel good because I don't want to be on a plane any longer than I have to be on a plane. Because I start thinking about what I'm actually doing. Okay, I'm in a metal tube and I'm flying at 30,000 feet. And I don't like to think about it. Do you, when you get on that plane, kind of just touch the side and go, Lord bless it. <laughs> like this is what I do, God. Let that, this one should not crash, okay? That not, let this one not crash, okay? And then we go on and you see the stewardess, hey, how are you? I'm good, I'm good, yeah. Okay, is this gonna crash? Okay, like, and I'm, I, I'm, and I'm hoping we're all good. But I get on the plane 
and we are, dry, we are flying back and we're making good time. And he's like, we're on, the, on our way. We're going to be ahead of schedule. Everyone's kind of cheering on the plane. We're all happy. And then he gets on the intercom, the pilot does, and he says what you do not want him to say. Well, we got a little problem. See, I just, I just don't like that statement. I think there's so many better ways to say it. Like, because I, my first thought is, are some of you already saying things like, will the, will the wheels not go down right now? Like I'm trying to figure out like, you know, and I'm starting doing this like this and I'm starting to figure out like, how quickly can I learn how to land a plane if I had to right now? And so I'm like freaking out because I want to be on a plane as little as I have to. And so he says, here's our problem. We, we were ahead of schedule, but there is a storm over Houston and we're going to be in a holding pattern over Houston. And I was like, oh, man, I don't want to be in a holding pattern over Houston. Okay, and I'm like mad. And so, so we get over Houston, and we're, we're in this holding pattern. And you've ever been on How many of you have been on a holding pattern on a plane? Raise your hand. Okay. And it's kind of cool. I have a picture of this holding pattern. It's actually beautiful. So the storm's right below us, and then it's like beautiful up top. Like, I don't feel the storm at all. I'm good peaceful. And there's all these planes in the same holding pattern. We're just doing a merry-go-round around you. We're like, hey, waving at each other. Hope it's only 45 minutes. Okay. We're just having a good time. And, and, um, but the Holy Spirit was really speaking to me while I'm on this holding pattern. He said a few things to me that I, I, I maybe this will, uh, you know, speak to you today, but he said this, he said, um, sometimes you're in a holding pattern in your life because there's a storm right below you and it's not safe to land. So I don't know what you're dealing with right now. You want the plane to land in your life, but sometimes there's a storm and he knows best behind the scenes in your life and it is not the time to land the plane. And he's protecting you is what he's doing. And so maybe that's an encouragement to some of you right now. You've been waiting on God and you need to know there's a storm that you cannot resolve in your life. Only God can and he is protecting you right now. And that's why you're waiting. And then, and then I was, as I'm waiting and as I'm trying to, you know, I get this kind of spiritual moment as a pastor looking out the window, freaking out. And, and, and he says, during a storm, while you're in a holding pattern, you have to remain flying. Because I thought, you know, I guess this pilot could get frustrated and just go, you know what, this is, I don't like being in holding patterns and just shut it down. (laughs) And we could just all lose altitude and all crash. I mean, he could have done it. And for whatever reason, thank God he didn't. All right. And I I just thought about it. I was like, no, he had to remain flying. He had to, what, what I call active waiting. And so some of you right now, you're, you're waiting on God But he is saying in your life, I know you see Houston. I know it's right there. I know it's just like it's right there. But I have you right now in a holding pattern in your life. And you have some choices to make. You can choose to quit or you can choose to remain flying. You can choose to actively wait because God is the only one that can remove the storm in your life. But you are the only one that can remain flying right now. And so some of you right now, you need to remain walking and you do not need to give up because I think a lot of us forfeit the miracles in our life because we give up too soon. And then a lot of us do this third thing that the guy was showing me is that what if the pilot got so sick and fed up 
about waiting in, the, in a holding pattern, what if he had decided to go, you know what, we're gonna take this plane to Austin. There's no storm over Austin. We're gonna take this plane to Dallas. There's no storm over Dallas. What if he had said to do that? And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, this is what a lot of people do. You go, I got control of the plane. I love control. I love me some control of my life. And I'm going to take the plane. This is really hard. Instead of going through this and waiting on this, I'm going to go around this and we're going to land the plane in a different destination. And this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. And I, I need you to hear me say this. It would not have just delayed the pilot in the plane. How many hundreds, if not thousands of other people would have been affected by that plane not being in the right location at that time. When you choose to produce your own miracle in your life, you are not just affecting yourself. You are affecting countless other people. And I'm just telling you, if you'll learn how to wait in the holding pattern of your life and you will learn the art of waiting, God's appointed time will happen at the perfect time. And what I've learned is that God will often do something in you before he does something for you. Because I just want it to happen for me. But what I've learned is he's often doing something in me. And you know the story of Joshua. Josh, you, you, I'm sorry, Joseph. Joseph, not Joshua. Joseph had dreams. You know this story. Joseph had dreams when he was 17 that he would be the leader and be a ruler and he would be you know, head of his family. And he ended up he ended up telling his mom and his dad and his brothers about these dreams. But the problem was Joshua, or Joseph wasn't ready yet. And it, was, it wasn't until he was 30 years old that Joseph saw his dreams fulfilled. It was a 13-year waiting period. And the question I asked myself is, what was God doing in those 13 years? We have the luxury of going back into the Bible and reading about it. Y'all read about Joseph's life. That boy was thrown into a pit. He was left for dead. He went into bondage. He went into slavery. All these things. And this man was going to be the second behind Pharaoh to be the ruler of the world. What was he doing in those 13 years? Same things he's doing with you right now in your 13 years. He's preparing him like he's never prepared you before. He's developing you like he's never developed you before. Do you know what got Joseph in, thrown into the pit? It was his mouth. It's because he was bragging about a dream. I'm going to be leading over you, brothers. They threw him in the pit. Maybe God's working on your mouth right now. Maybe God's working on your character right now because he knows you're going to be second in charge of something. And he needs you to be developed for something. Yeah, but this is like hell on earth. I know because he's developing you right now because he's changing you for something better because you're going to be right next to Pharaoh over. And I don't know what it is in your life, but God's developing you for something right now and he'll often do something in you before he does something for you. And this is very, this is kind of personal message for me because back when I was in college at Texas A&M University, um, I was dating a girl. We had been dating for about two, two and a half years. And she was like, this is, this is going to be the one. Like she was the one I was going to marry. And I remember this because it was, it was such a season of waiting for me. But it was the first real season of waiting for me 
But I remember that she, she, I mean, she broke up with me and devastated me, like crushed me. And I went weeks, and I don't even have to look at the timetable. It may have been months of just going before God and saying, put this relationship back together. I know you can, and I don't know why you're not. And I was so angry. I was so mad at God. I found myself like blaming God and feeling isolated from God, feeling like he was silent, thinking, what did I do in my past that he's punishing me right now? Thinking, maybe I don't have enough faith. And I was just so frustrated. And, and I, I found myself just wanting this relationship to be back and be restored and I was working at a store called Military Depot at Texas A&M, and it's just a little military salvage kind of store. And so we, we sold, you know, BDUs, battle dress uniforms. Some of you are like, what is a BDU? Okay, it doesn't matter. Okay, like it's, we sold insignia and boots, combat boots, used ones, just cool stuff, you know, knives and just, you know, cool stuff, right? Um, and, and I remember I'm in this store. No, we had no customers in the store. And I remember standing Frustrated with God. And finally, 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 saying, God, okay, I surrender. I surrender. I surrender my control. I said this I give you my life and I give you my wife. God, you know what's best for me. I thought it was her. And at the time, I still thought God was making a mistake. But I said, God, you know, and I give you my life and I give you my wife. And I just surrendered. I don't think it's coincidence that Lindsay up here on the worship team said what she said today. Sometimes you just got to get alone with your God. You got to quit looking at everyone else because it doesn't make sense why they have the kid. Why they have the good income, why they have not had problems, and by the way, they have. Why when my best friend went to the military academy, the Air Force Academy, and I went to a scholarship night and he got $250,000 worth of scholarships and I watched him and I went, God, I'm so happy for him, but what about me? And I remember thinking, God, I've tried so hard I, I don't know why this is so complicated. But y'all, God needed me to go to that school. God needed me to go to A&M. And it's not because it's so great. It's really, it's cool. But you really hear the story about how I got to A&M. It goes all the way back to, because I always thought it was because my cousin went to A&M. Do you know why she went to A&M? I found out this this year. It's because she broke up with her boyfriend and they were both going to go to UT. And she said, well, he's going to go to UT. I'm going to go to A&M. And I went, okay, that's a cool story. And she said, so she goes to A&M and she goes to A&M. And you know what they have at A&M? Really good food. They have pizza, little pizza rolls at A&M with ranch. They're so good. I'm serious. And she tells me the reason I went to A&M is because of some pizza rolls with ranch. And I went, you telling me I went to A&M because of your pizza rolls and ranch? Because I went because you went. And I'm just telling you, I don't know the timing. I don't know the way and the how. But I've learned this. 
see, I surrendered my wife right there in that. I didn't know who she was. I just surrendered. I said, God, okay, it's yours. And I said, I'm sorry for being mad at you. Forgive me for that. And I began to write down what I wanted in a wife. I just began to write down. Hmm. I need, this, this, is, this is who I want in a wife. And do you know, she still has it to this day, that note. And she pulled it out this week and I read it and I was gonna read it to you, but it's so stupid. I mean, it's really so dumb because there's, there's literally, I said, I'm sorry about the tear marks, stains on the letter, stupid. And I'm like, I'm not reading this to the church, but she still has it. And you know, I went two weeks later after I said that to God. I said, God, surrender my wife, surrender my life. And I promise you to this day, like two weeks later, I meet her. I went to a new church I had never been to before. She's on the stage playing the keys. And I was like, what? Who is this being on the stage? This girl, unbelievable. Oh my word, who is this? And, and do you know her name was Elise? And you know, the, the story, the rest, I mean, it's, that's, the story's history. That's where I met my wife. That's the backstory of how I met my wife. But here's the cool thing. It's why I always say it's the, art of, it's the art of waiting because her name is Elise Rochelle Thatcher. Elise A. Rochelle R. T. Thatcher. You know, she's, she's a designer. And I always thought that was so cool. And God showed me the art of waiting. There's an art in your waiting. Now you can't have my art. But he wanted me to show you there's an art to your waiting. It's how you wait. It's not a science in it. You got to know how to wait. And I want to give you a scripture that I think is so powerful. And I want to say this to you. God's no in your life will always lead to a better yes. So don't discourage, be discouraged if God says, no, you are not getting back with that person because you'll lead to a better yes. No, you can't have kids right now, but it'll lead to a better yes. I don't know who I'm speaking to, but he's, this is a scripture that's so powerful. It says, Isaiah 64, four, since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. I want you to know while you're waiting, God is working on your behalf. I think this side of heaven, we will never fully understand how much God is working on our behalf. But when we get to heaven, I truly believe without a shadow of a doubt, we are gonna know that we know that you are not an accident. And it was always purpose. The Bible says that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father and you know what he's doing? He says he's interceding on our behalf. He's interceding. The God is interceding on your behalf. If you don't grasp that, it changes how you wait. So this is what I feel like God wanted me to tell you. We're in a series called It's Time. God will show you when it's time. Wait and obey. Don't try to manufacture. And at the appointed time, it will happen. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for every family in this place. I believe there's a lot of people right now who are waiting on you. They've been waiting, God. They've been waiting patiently, God. They've been praying. 
They've been, they've been actually praying. They've been flying the plane. They're, play, they're praying, God. And so, God, I pray right now, God, that you would begin to remove the storm in their life that's right below them, God. I pray that you would begin this 2021. I don't believe it's an accident. This is the last day of 21 days of prayer. On 2021, I don't believe it's an accident. I believe, God, in the name of Jesus, you are going to do some things in people's lives that they've yet to see, that they have not seen in their lives. And so, God, I I pray for miracles that would come out of this place, that we wouldn't try to manufacture our own miracle, God, but we would wait and we would obey what you have told us to do. We would surrender anything that we're dealing with, God, to you. We don't blame you, God. Waiting on God is not hating on God. We trust you, God. And right now, if you're in this place, maybe you're online right now, maybe you're out in the patio, I don't know who I'm speaking to right now, maybe you're in overflow, but it's time that you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. It's time, it's time right now. There's no more delay, it's time. If you say, Brad, I know it's time right now. I believe that you're speaking to me, God. You say, Brad, would you pray for me? If that's you, I just wanna pray for you. I'm not gonna ask you to do anything weird. But if you say, I know it's time to accept Christ into my life. If that's you, would you just simply raise your hand? Just, just raise your hand. Thank you, I see you in this room, all over this place. Thank you. Just raise your hand. Maybe you're not in the overflow, outside, online. And I want you to say these words in your heart. Just say, God, I am in need of a savior. I declare from this day forward, that you will be the God of my life. I don't even fully understand what that means, but Jesus, I accept you into my heart. God, I pray in the name of Jesus over those right now that are accepting you right now into into, into God, their heart, they're accepting you, God, right now. The Bible says if you believe that with your heart and you confess that with your mouth, that you're saved. And so God, I pray from this day forward, this. Last day of 21 days of prayer in 2021 is a day that will be marked in eternity for these that are coming to know you right now in the name of Jesus. I pray peace over every storm, peace over every waiting in this place. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Can we give the Lord just a big hand for those who accepted Christ? Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. Are you new to Creekwood? If so, we're glad you're here. For more information about our church, and how to take your next step, please visit the Connect page on our Creekwood Church app.